ஹமதுல்லாஹிஷுரூலிஃபினாஹிலாஹிலாஹிலாஹிலாஹிலாஹிலாஹிலாஹிலாஹிலாஹிலாஹிலாஹிலாஹிலாஹிலாஹிலா
of the Arabic language is it's, it's quite difficult to learn but Alhamdulillah if you take time out nothing is too difficult in this dunya so during the Khilafat of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq and Hazrat Umar ta'ala an, it was Ghazawat so inshallah we will be talking about the Ghazawat during the Khilafat of Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab ta'ala an. before the demise of Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq ta'ala an. Hazrat Abu Bakr though he, he was given Khilafat and the period of Khilafat was for a very brief period of time just over two years but again in the two years subhanallah he achieved a lot in the two years in fact ulama have mentioned that very intentionally he sparked up uh, this trouble in the borderlines between the Muslim Empire and the Persian Empire and the Roman Empire and this was done with intention just to remind the Persians and the Romans that as soon as Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq has sorted everything out with the Murtaddeen of his time then my next target is the Persian Empire and the Roman Empire now this was Allahu Akbar great muscle shown on the part of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala these were great giants of the time uh, the Persian Empire and the Roman Empire but Allahu Akbar the fate of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq got to him he passed away but before he passed away he called Hazrat Umar ta'ala an, and he said that Umar make sure that I have already started this uh, sign given to the Persians and the Romans and deliberately I have sent some of the Mujahideen to go and provoke the situation where the borders are, where the two borders meet so what I want you to do is make sure that after I have left this dunya you continue with the jihad you continue with the jihad and my wish and ambition is and perhaps that was the wish and ambition of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam also I want the Persian Empire and the Roman Empire to be annexed to the Islamic Empire and Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala and said insha'Allah ta'ala that will be the case subhanallah immediately we find that when Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala had passed away the Muslims knew very well it was never easy to fight the Persians the Persians even today uh, if you look at the Irani people now Persia was not just Iran as what we perceive today but if you look at that part of the region these people are very very strong people even the Turkish people if you look at the Turks they are very powerful people physically very very strong subhanallah so it was never going to be easy for the Arabs to take on the Persians and they knew that. <coughs> Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala an one day in Madinatul Munawwara stood up and he called upon the people to enroll and give their names. Those who are ready to fight the Persians, I want all of you to come to me. Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala an was there standing. First day nobody comes. Yes first day nobody comes second day Hazrat Umar stands up and says right we've got to take on 
the Persian Empire. That belongs to the Muslims. Second day, nobody comes. Nobody comes. Allahu Akbar. Again, third day, he says, I want you to come to me, all of you, and give me your names. Third day, nobody comes. Is this, are you surprised? Nobody comes. And then, on the fourth day, there's one young man whose name is Abu Ubaid al-Sakafi al-Ta'ifi. Abu Ubaid al-Sakafi, he's a Ta'if, he's from Ta'if, he comes along. And as soon as he comes in front of Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab, Umar radiallahu ta'ala and says, come, come to me, it is the right thing that you are doing. And then second in number, the one who came was Hazrat al-Sulayt. Hazrat al-Sulayt is an Ansari Sahabi of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Then after, mashallah, groups of the companions, groups of people started coming to Hazrat Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala. Now, I'm sure what's perhaps bothering some of you in the mind is why this delay, why no one turns up when you have Amirul Mu'mineen, Hazrat Umar asking for recruits and he wishes to mobilize an army to fight the Persian people. What we need to understand is that Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala and spoke to them on a voluntary base. It was not mandatory, it was not a farz, it was not important. Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab was talking casually, asking them, I want you to come, I want you to come. And this call was not for individuals, but for the leaders of the tribes. In Arabia, what would happen is that any leader of the tribe, if he would make himself come forward, then that would mean the entire tribe would back him up. So if Musabai was a leader of one tribe, and if he came forward, You'd find all the followers of Musabai and his entire tribe ready. We are ready. And this is how the system works. So it was all about leadership. The reason why they delayed, they knew how Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala an would work, his ideas. So the first man who would come would be given the responsibility of becoming an Amir. Now remember you had Azad Khalid bin Walid and the other... Uh, companions that were still on the outskirts, in the borders, and even in Iraq, in that part of the zone, Syria, and all that, what we had discussed during the Khilafat of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala, and so you had now the tribes and the Qabails. So this was the system. These were not people who wanted fame. It was not about position for them. They would want to work under the leadership of someone else. So that was the delay. Hazrat Umar was saying, look, I want you to come, but everybody would look at each other. Is anyone making a move? Is anyone making a move? So when one would go, then the rest would go, because the entire responsibility would fall on that person. <coughs> Today it is the complete opposite. Subhanallah, this addiction of leadership, uh, you know, you travel miles and miles and miles away, but you still want to get that position. Sahaba Kirama Jumain were very mukhlis. They would do it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Abu Ubaid, the Sakafi, a Ta'ifi comes along and then everybody is there. Now, the only problem was this time that Abu Ubaid, the Sakafi, is not a Sahabi. He's not a Sahabi. Now, Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala did something very unusual here. He chose a Tabi'i over Sahabai Kiram Ajma'in. 
Now in Madinatul Munawwara, you had a good stock of Sahaba-i Kiram Ajma'een still there with him. But how is it that this very important battle that is to take place with the Persian Empire, with the Persian people, the Persian army was massive. And the leader is a Tabi'i, not a Sahabi. So now rumors were spreading, people were talking in Madinatul Munawwara, do you think this is the right thing? Abu Ubaid is a brave soldier, but has he got the experience, the maqam which the companions have? So the mentality of the Tabi'een was such, when you have the companions with you, Sahabai Kiram Ajma'een, it is a source of barakah. Subhanallah, it is a source of barakah. Allah has praised them in the kalam, in his Quran, that Allah is pleased with them. So for a Sahabi to be there, the more the Sahaba, the better it is. And to be under the leadership of a Sahabi, what more can a person ask for? So this was the problem with the people, that what do we do? Abu Ubaid al-Sakafi al-Taifi is the leader and now Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala as always very fast and sharp to understand what is happening around him he gathered, gathered all the companions, the Tabi'een and the Sahaba and he said look I know what you people are talking about and he looked at the sahaba kiram ajma'een and he said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you a status, a maqam, why? Because you people were the first to embrace Iman on the hands of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So it, it was your ability to come forward and to lead the rest of the people were behind you. You were the forerunners. And because of you being right in the front, ahead of the people, Allah gave you this maqam. That you people are sahabai kiram ajma'een. That is why the muhajireen have a very high status because these were the first first people to embrace Islam and then we have a category Ashare Mubashara and the pe- people who were in the battle of Badr, the battle of Uhud uh, the ranks of Sahabai Kiram Ajma'een uh, inshallah can be explained at uh, another time but Sahabai Kiram Ajma'een generally were given this maqam because they were the first people to accept Iman and Islam so Hazrat Umar said when I was inviting people to come forward, Abu Ubaid al-Sakafi was the first one to say, Labbaik to my call. He was the first one to respond to me. So he is also, he deserves that, that uh, position, that he becomes the Amir of this Muslim army that I am to dispatch to the Persian Empire. And everyone agreed that khair, this is the system in Islam. And Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab was very very strict when it came to making the right decision. Be it a Sahabi or be it a Tabi'i. It was all about the justice system that was always in the right place. Especially during the Khilafat of Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab. And he read some verses and he said, Allah says in the Quran, وَالسَّابِقُونَ السَّابِقُونَ وَالسَّابِقُونَ السَّابِقُونَ And the foreigners, the foreigners, the people who are always ahead, the people who take advantage of the, the situation, the time that is given to them. They don't waste time and they don't delay. Allah says, Ula'ikal muqarrabun. These are the people who are very, very close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So for an example, when you find people, when it's time for salah, they will still want to sit at the back. What would they want to do? Sit at the back. But fazilat is for which saf? The front saf. So Islam is about always getting ahead. It is about taking advantage. 
You don't waste time. You get there right in the front. And there is fazilat. So the front sub fazilat is of the highest rank, then the second, then the third, then the fourth. I don't believe it sometimes what happens. There's a space in the front sub and you'll find the person behind saying to his neighbor, Tuja. <laughs> what does it say? It's like you've seen that. You go. No, no, you go. No, no, you go. And there's a debate there. No, no, you go. And then finally someone will say, you go. You're, you're okay. You're, you're, you'll fit in properly. You go. Subhanallah. Now imagine, this is the situation of the Muslims. You can come to Masjid Umar at about, <coughs> nowadays, Bayan is at 12.30. So if you come at 12.50, you, you'll be lucky to get a, a space in the front saf here. All you need to do is bypass a few people and get a space there. This is the situation of the Muslims. But in the time of Sahabai Kiram Ajma'in, things were very, very different. And that is why what the shaitan does is the shaitan wants, especially the youth, to delay themselves from in- engaging into good acts, acts of worship, good actions. The shaitan says, don't worry, you know, taste dunya first, experience everything so you don't miss out from anything. And then when you have a few white hair here and there, MashaAllah, put on your ihram, make intention for hajj and say, Labbaik, Allahumma labbaik, labbaik la sharika lauka labbaik, Allah, I'm here, I'm here, Allah, I'm here. And everything is fine, you know, grow your beard later on in life. MashaAllah, be smart, you know, clean shave, don't worry right now, you know, you've got a lot of time. MashaAllah, you can do umrah later on, then make your namaz, and then you do your tawbah, repentance. This is how the shaitan works. And believe me, my respected brothers, ulama have mentioned this attitude is very dangerous because it deprives a person from tawbah. Because he is always dreaming, always dreaming. Just yesterday a youth came to me and he said to me, Maulana, I want to make sure that I, I utilize myself into good things. I've only got 30 years. I've only got 30 years. I said, what did you say? <laughs> You've only got 30 years. MashaAllah, bhai. You know, what guarantee have you got that you've got 30 years? And I said, no, no, even cut the 30 years. He says, well, I'm only 30. I said, yes, okay, you're 30, so what? I should have another 30. I said, no, my brother, you don't think like that. A Muslim is not meant to think like that. Uh, you don't even know whether you will be alive for the very next minute. Of course not. Allahu Akbar. Yeah. MashaAllah, uh, someone showed me <coughs> a picture on the internet uh, of Masjid Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam I'm sure some of you might have also seen this a person who is in sajda and he passed away in Masjid Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and you can see the white carpet what is Rawzatun Min Riyazil Jannah and you have the Arab police that are there it is Masjid Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and everybody has surrounded him and they are putting a cloth on top of him and he is there in sajda and he has passed away. Allahu Akbar. Aise bhi log dunya mein hote hai, subhanallah. Allah give us death in the state of iman. Allah be pleased with us, my respected brothers. Kalima is the greatest na'ma and blessing. So we need to rush into things. This should be, when I say rush into things, uh, don't miss an opportunity from a good action. MashaAllah, if you can take in even one subhanallah a reward, one good deed, don't waste time. This is what the shaitan does. وَالسَّابِقُونَ sabiqun. You want to be the forerunner, you want to be ahead of everyone. 
Like I said today, a 16 year old young man, Ibrahim alayhi salam, is giving da'wah to his father, an old person. MashaAllah. And Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Shabun nasha'a fi ibadatillah. On the day of Qiyamah, a group of people that will benefit from the uh, shade of the arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, one will be uh, the, young, the young ones, the youth that grew into the system of worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So they were young and they would worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. On the day of Qiyamah, Allah will give them shade under His arsh. So when we see these beautiful faces, young people, subhanallah alazim. This is great ni'mah and a great blessing. This is good news for the ummah of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam. We have to be very, very quick. That is why in the hadith it comes, my respected brothers, that when the jal will come, and if we are not prepared when the jal has come, it will be too late. Ulama have mentioned that those who have iman, they will have iman and their iman will be intact. But for those who don't have iman, they will never be given an opportunity to say La ilaha illallah because of his magic, because of what he will show. So we have to prepare well in advance, well in advance. That is the sunnah of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We are not to be like the brothers of Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam who said, look, you know, let's kill Yusuf alayhi salam now and then we will do tawbah. What will we do? Let's kill Yusuf alayhi salam, the brother, and then we will do tawbah. Let us not be like the brothers of Yusuf alayhi salam. Subhanallah. And look at the difference between the brothers. Look at the maqam, the position Allah gave Yusuf alayhi salam, and look what happened to the brothers of Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam. So we have to be very, very careful. Look at Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala. From all of the prophets, it is said that after Anbiya, he will be the first to enter Jannah. Why will he be the first to enter Jannah? Because he was the first one to say, La ilaha illallah. He did not waste time. He was the first one to say, La ilaha illallah. And so he will be the first one to enter in Jannah. That is why my respected brothers, Subhanallah, when you are young and you remember Allah, that is of a different level as to someone who becomes old and then he remembers Allah. Both are accepted, subhanallah, don't get me wrong. But that quality in, 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 when a person is young and he remembers Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he comes to the masjid, that person is very close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You want your son to become a hafiz, are you going to wait for him to become 25 years of age and then put him in the hips class? What will you do? At a very young age. You start at a very young age. And that is why Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has said, when your child is seven years of age, show him the, the door of the masjid and explain to him the method of wuzu and how to read salah when he is seven years of age. When you want knowledge, you start at a young age. Once you become old, ulama say when the, when the branch of a tree is soft, when the branch of a tree is soft, it is easy for a person to direct that branch in any direction. You want to make that branch go this way, it will go this way. You want it to go this way, it will go this way. Any direction you direct it, it will go, it will turn. But when the, the branch becomes stiff and strong and very mature and very hard, 
Then if you try to change something, then it is impossible. Then it becomes very, very difficult. And so my respected brothers, at the young age that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us with, uh, subhanallah, let us do musabaqa. And that is why honor was given to Hazrat Abu Ubaid al-Sakafi, that he was a tabi'i, yet the sahaba were there. But Hazrat Umar, to show the people that he was the first one to say labbaik, he is appointed as an amir. Subhanallah al-Zeem. Now Sayyidina Abu Ubaid al-Sakafi is given 4,000 mujahideen, and a lot of them were also sahabai kiram ajma'een. What Hazrat Abu, Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala an instructed to Abu Ubaid is that although you are the Amir, but make sure in every decision you take, you consult the companions. What do you do? You make mashwira with the sahabai kiram ajma'een. And he understood that well. Now, the Persian army was very big in numbers so many Allahu Akbar Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala an when he looked at the 4000 mujahideen he felt that this was not enough and then he sent uh, a messenger to Hazrat Khalid bin Walid again he was uh, towards the border securing the other territories and he said I, I need again extra men if you have and Hazrat Khalid bin Walid gave 6,000 Mujahideen. How many? Six. Now, how many are they in total? 10,000. 10, and the Mujahideen, 10,000 under the banner of Hazrat Abu Ubaid the Sakafi, move out. They come to the borders. The Persian Empire is there. Everything is set. And, and the ground is in front of them, the battlefield. The Muslims could see the Persians at a distance. But between the Muslims and the Persians was a bridge. What was it? A bridge. And there was a river flowing by. So for the Muslims to get to the, the Persians, they had a choice. You either cross from the bridge, or you wait for the Persians to cross the bridge and come to your end. Hazrat Abu Ubaid could see Persians were everywhere. And so Hazrat Abu Ubaid took mashwara from the people and he says what are we to do it was a very thin narrow bridge that is why this battle is known as the battle of the bridge a very a bloody battle this was Allahu Akbar and a very narrow bridge so some of the companions said that Abu Ubaid I think it would be better if we wait for the Persians to come at our end we wait for them to come but Abu Ubaid was a very brave soldier. And he said, no, 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 no. We can't wait for the Persians to come. We will cross the bridge and we will fight them in their territory. And we will go ahead. That takes a lot of courage, isn't it, my respected brothers? So now you have 10,000 Mujahideen who are crossing a very thin bridge. And there were ropes tied to the end of the bridge. Uh, securing it and this is how Allahu Akbar the horses you know the cavalry infantry of the Muslims all slowly marching now this was again uh, the plan of the Persians they were waiting for this these were strong powerful people and they knew how to take on the Muslims so they were waiting for the Muslims as the Muslims were crossing and coming to their zone 
Slowly they were pouring out in great numbers, constricting the movement for the Muslims, giving them a very tight surface to fight in, uh, to make everything very tight for them. They could, they were not free. Ten thousand people in one very small area, because now you had the Persians pouring out and covering all the mainlands, all the different areas. And so the Muslims saw it. And they knew what the plan was. They wanted to constrict uh, the battlefield for the Muslims. And that is how they were going to fight. Nevertheless, Hazrat Abu Ubaidah made dua and he looked at the okay. people. These were so many in numbers that history cannot even give you an account of how many soldiers were there that came to fight only 10,000 Mujahideen. So many, I have, this is Bidaya wa Nihaya in front of me, and I have been reading for the whole past week, trying to get some figure, and some other also history books, but you, there is just no mentioning of the, the exact amount of these soldiers that were there. Subhanallah al and the method of fighting was completely different this time with the Persians. The Persians came up with a completely new weapon. A new weapon. Weapons of mass destruction. <laughs> Allahu Akbar. And they came up with solid, huge, huge elephants. The Arabs were not used to fighting with elephants in front of their faces. Imagine. Can you picture, my respected brothers, this picture? That there is a huge wall, a shield, that is protecting the Persians. A team of people that are sitting on top of the elephants. You have the professional Persian archers behind the elephant. Thousands and thousands on one side, thousands on... Wherever you look, it is the Persian army. Thousands of elephants, well prepared, they come with the intent to crush the Muslims once and for all. Allahu Akbar, and a wall, and Hazrat Abu Ubaid is just looking, what are we to do? And the elephants were well trained, they were well trained, like how the Arabs would train the horses, these people had trained the elephants. And the elephants are huge animals, they fear no one. When the horses were pushed by the Muslims, the cavalry, to go forward, it seemed that the entire Muslim cavalry was disabled and paralyzed. Nothing would move. Horses were not prepared to go forward. The reason for that, the Persians were very clever. They had locked onto the necks of the elephants huge bells. Huge bells. So when the elephant would go in front, the elephant would move the head. This was the training they gave. And it would give out a violent sound. A very violent sound. And because of that noise, the, the horses were very scared. So the horses were not prepared to go forward. Every time the Muslims would say, right, you need to go forward. And they would push the horses, the, the horses would come back again. They would retreat. It was extremely difficult for the Muslims to, to tackle the elephants. Allahu Akbar Kabira, and it is said as the battle started, Muslims were taking the most casualties. Shuhada and Shaheed everywhere. A lot of the people who became Shaheed were Sahabai Kiram Ajma'een. 
extremely difficult. What is the situation? How do you penetrate and break this wall of the elephants? So now you have the Muslim cavalry absolutely paralyzed, no movement. And the infantry, the foot soldiers are also being shot at by the archers. So you have the archers, the Persian archers shooting up and coming straight down to the Muslims that, that were not protected. And it was very, very difficult. So you had the, the foot soldiers that were being shaheed and there was panic and things were very, very difficult. Very quickly, Hazrat Abu Ubaid al-Sakafi gets uh, hold of the senior companions and they say, look, he said, if we are not going to do something with the elephants, we will be massacred, we will be killed here, all of us here. What do we do? And then in the mashwara, they said, look, the best thing would be we try to cut off the ropes that that was holding the saddle, that was holding the saddle, uh, and on the saddle, on top of the elephant, you had tens and tens uh, of uh, Persian soldiers sitting on the top, and these soldiers were guiding the elephants. So what they said, if we can cut off the ropes of the saddle, then what will happen is that the soldiers on top will fall down. I can't remember how many soldiers were on top, but at least more than ten soldiers on each elephant. So they were also shooting and guiding the elephant. The Muslims tried to cut the ropes of the saddle, very difficult. These were trained elephants. No way can you even get close to them. The elephants were marching in front. The Muslims were retreating, going back, stepping back. They just could not push themselves forward. One, they were outnumbered. Secondly, you had elephants, strong animals. And then you had the bridge behind to cross, which was very, very narrow. And you had no space. Muslims had no space to fight. It was very, very difficult. So as soon as some of the Muslims tried to cut off the saddle again. It was difficult. The elephants with the, with the trunk, the legs, they would just push the mujahideen out. Again, the shura sits and Hazrat Abu Ubaid says, now what do we do? And some of them said that, look, the best thing is to cut off the trunk. <laughs> to cut off the <laughs> trunk. And you might have heard of these funny stories, you know, and you cut off the head of the elephant and put it on, to, on a human being and you know what happens. So they said that what else can we do? The, the difficulty is so we cut off the, the trunk of the elephant and if that the trunk is cut off, Sahaba Ikiram Ajmain said that because it's in pain it will sort of disable the elephant. So let us do that. Hazrat Abu Ubaid al-Sakafi said I will be the first one to take on this mission. He was the Amir. So he came in front of this very huge, huge elephant. The biggest of all of them. And he had a very sharp blade, the sword. And he came in front of the elephant. And the elephant looked at Hazrat Abu Ubaid al-Sakafi. Hazrat Abu Ubaid al-Sakafi immediately struck the elephant, the trunk with the sword. And the trunk was cut off succeeded but now the elephant started screaming and it became very very violent when you cut off the trunk it looked at Hazrat Abu Ubaid al-Sakafi and it lifted up the legs and it kicked Hazrat Abu Ubaid al-Sakafi Hazrat Abu Ubaid al-Sakafi fell to the ground and the elephant crushed Hazrat Abu Ubaid al-Sakafi uh, radiyallahu ta'ala an rahmatullah alayhi 
and immediately Hazrat Abu, Abu, Abu Ubaid al-Sakafi became shaheed. So this was the end of a great Muslim brave Amir soldier. He became shaheed. Now the second person in command is his brother, Al-Hakam al-Sakafi. Hakam al-Sakafi, again, when he looked at his brother being shaheed, he thought that the best option is really to fight the elephants in, in this way. Because the Arabs had never ever seen elephants. How do you fight elephants? Something very strange for them. And they were only learning. And learning the hard way with the Persians. And again, the same situation. Hazrat Hakam al-Sakafi comes with the sword, tries to cut off the trunk. Again, the elephants are so much trained. And it lifts up the leg and kicks the, the Mujahid, Hazrat Hakam. Hazrat Hakam is also down. And then you had also the different, the, the Persian soldiers that were shooting at you. And Allahu Akbar, the brother also passed away. The second in command was made shaheed. The third who came into command, who became the Amir, was the son of Hazrat Abu Abayd. The second was who? The brother. The third was who? The son. The son becomes shaheed. The fourth who takes command is the son of Abu Abayd. Learn history. Is the son. He becomes shaheed. The fifth who takes command is the son of Abu Abayd. And virtually, my respected brothers, it is said that seven members of Hazrat Abu Ubaid, all of them who took command, immediately in that one day, all became shaheed. It was a very difficult moment for the Muslims fighting the Persian army. Very difficult indeed. They were outnumbered, and they were outnumbering the Muslims. Things were very, very difficult. They just could not break the wall that was there in front of them by, made by the elephants. Seven people, seven Amirs were made shaheed. And then Hazrat Al-Musanna takes the banner of Islam and he says that no, we have to think now what we, what we are about to do. Now very quickly, perhaps some of you might be wondering why did a Sahabi not take charge after the shahadat of Hazrat Abu Ubaid al-Sakafi. I don't know if somebody, some of you are thinking like that. No, none of you. you are you guys tired? Are you listening? Are you sure? Eh? All right. The reason for that is the wife of Hazrat Abu Ubaid. Her name was her name was Dauma. Dauma. Kya Dauma. Dauma. She was the wife of Abu Ubaid, the first Amir. She saw a dream that. From the heavens, a vessel came down, mm-hmm. and that vessel was first presented to her husband Abu Ubaid, and Abu Ubaid drank water from that vessel, and then water was given to her sons. So the sons were drinking from that water also, and the water was also given to the brother. This was a dream, and so she related this dream to the husband Abu Ubaid. Abu Ubaid understood that this dream, the interpretation and the meaning of this dream means shahadat. What does it mean? Shahadat. That I am drinking water from the water given from the heavens. So this is jannah. So this means shahadat. And if my children are drinking from it, opportunity comes to them. MashaAllah, if they become shaheed in the path of Allah, what more do I want? So when he goes to the battlefield, he makes wasir to the people 
that these are the seven people who will take charge. These were the exact seven who were shown to Adalma in her dream. That is why all of them became shaheed in that manner, in that line. Allahu Akbar. Now when Hazrat Al-Musanna, who was not a family member, when he took charge, he looked at the situation. He was much senior, mature, very experienced. He said, no, Sharia gives us permission to, to, to go back to retreat from the battlefield. Let's go back. Because this is very, very difficult. I will not allow some more Sahaba companions to become Shaheed here. We need to go back. Let's go back to Madinatul Munawwara. Now we've experienced, we've seen how the Persians fight. Let's regroup, be prepared, and then we come. Now, the front section of Hazrat Al-Musanna is doing mashwira that we go back. You have another brave soldier at the back. He's at the back end of the Muslim army, whose name is Hazrat Abdullah. What is his name? Hazrat Abdullah was a Sahabi. Uh, Hazrat Abdullah was a Mujahid, a very strong man. And he is looking that, you know, we are not going to turn back. Here we are, we are going to fight. And, you know, to be brave is excellent. But you have to be very, very careful. You can't be ultra brave too much. And then you might become too reckless. So you, you need hikmat also. What do you need? Hikmat. Now, Hazrat Abdullah, what he did is that he took out his knife, he went to the bridge and he cut off the ropes. And he said, now nobody goes. We fight the Persians all the way. And we fight the elephants all the way. Now the front party is doing mashwara to go back. The back end has already cut off the ropes. Ajeeb log the Muslims. Subhanallah. Tariq ajeeb thi. These were brave soldiers. Subhanallah. And when there was panic because you had the front section now moving back and the back section moving front. So there was chaos and difficulty. What was happening? You didn't have mobile phones and you know, things by which you could just communicate with someone easily. It was difficult. So the front is going back, the back is going front. And an advantage is taken by the Persians. A lot of the Muslim soldiers fell down into the river and some of them had drowned. So many people, Mujahideen, became shaheed. Hazrat Musanna called Hazrat Abdullah. When Abdullah came, the first thing Hazrat Musanna did was slapped him one. Who told you to do this? He says, no, no, we fight. What do you mean fight? Go back and tie the ropes. You are going to do the tie. Abdullah goes back with the group of people and they tie the ropes and secure the bridge. Now only after hours, the bridge is secured and slowly people are going back. It is said that in this battle, in one day alone, 4,000 Muslims were made shaheed. Now we have to be, we have to understand, 4,000 at that time is a huge number. Of course. Look, we have the population of the world now 6 billion. It's now. But the population of the world at that time was never 6 billion. Huh? So 4,000, for 4,000 and a lot of them were Sahaba. This was very difficult for the, for the people. And for the news to go back to Madinatul Munawwara to Hazrat Umar to find that senior sahaba were also made shaheed this was going to be a very difficult problem for the muslims now hazrat al-musanna says i will be at the back i will make sure that all of you go back cross the bridge and i will be at the end 
I'm the last person to cross the bridge and slowly the, the Muslims make their, their way back to Madinatul Munawwara 4,000 were made shaheed but how many were the Persians killed? How many? Guess how many? Huh? 6,000 how many? 6,000 and although from the outset it seems that Muslims have lost this battle but subhanallah the Sahabai Kiram Ajma'een and the Tabi'een were pious people and Allah says those who are pious Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes an opening for you Allah makes an opening for you so this was not uh, something for, for, the, for the Muslims to take as a defeat but inshallah it was a victory they had experienced for the first time the strength of the Muslims and for 6,000 Persians to be killed with a solid army of elephants in front of you this was to bring down their morale and their confidence and that is why there was now a fight that was being sparked up in the camp of the Persians. The two leaders were Rustam and Fairuz. Who were they? And I end inshallah very quickly if you bear with me. Rustam and Fairuz, there was a dispute between the two. One was saying the Muslims have gone back. This is the right opportunity to attack Muslim territory. And the other party was saying no, with the strength of our army they managed to kill 6,000 it is impossible to fight the Muslims. It is not the right time to fight the Muslims. So this war, this battle of the bridge had also instilled fear in the hearts of the Persians. And another thing what had happened from this battle was that the Muslims will have another opportunity inshallah which we will talk about in the sessions to come. But now it opened up the door for internal fighting within the Persian camp. Yes. So the Persians were fighting. One was saying no, one was saying yes. One was saying no, one was saying yes. yes. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives jazai khair to these great brave soldiers, the shuhada that fought in this battle of the bridge. Allah elevate the position. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala elevate the position of all the companions, the tabi'een and make us sincere followers of the companions wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin allahumma salli ala sayyidina wa nabiyyina wa maulana muhammadin nabiyil ummi wa ala alihi wa sallim taslima allahumma taqabbal minna wa tub alayna innaka antat tawwabur rahim sami'na wa ta'ana ghufranaka rabbana wa ilayka al-maseer bi rahmatika ya arhamar rahimin